I'm Heather Jinta. And I'm Zach Jinta. We live in Palm Beach Shores, Florida. We've been married three years and we are practicing the, the art, art of spousing. Hey, welcome to the Art of Spousing podcast. I'm James. And I'm Lisa. And we're really grateful that you're taking the time to listen to the show. First, we want to thank Zach and Heather Genta for kicking off the show today. Zach and Heather are a great, young, and talented couple, and we've loved getting to know them and watching their marriage work of art being crafted. Honestly, James, I think they're the cutest, sweetest couple ever. They really are. We've enjoyed watching them from afar, and we've been so inspired by this generation of young married people. They're just so precious and committed to each other, learning and growing together. They do practice the art of spousing yes, for real. They do. At the beginning of each episode, we're going to feature a marriage work of art like Zach and Heather. We'll also post their videos on Instagram and Facebook at Art of Spousing. If you or your spouse would like to be on the show, you can send us your marriage story in a short selfie style form video on Instagram at Art Espousing. All you need to do is introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, how many years you've been married, and then share that you love practicing the Art Espousing. Yeah, the purpose of this podcast is to be an encouragement for married couples and to move their marriage from the mundane to masterpiece level. We really believe that every relationship has a unique God-designed purpose, and with the right focus and practices, your marriage will not just survive, but it will thrive. I love that. We were recently in the Dominican Republic on our Just the Two of Us trip. Right. Yeah, this is a necessary life-giving vacation that we try to take every year to get away just the two of us. Right. Um, we've been doing this extended trips like this for the last several years or so. But even when we were newly married and we had young children, we made it a priority to get away for just even one night to connect. Yeah, that's right. A couple years ago, we recorded a podcast episode about our Just the Two of Us trip. We actually recorded it while we were on one in Mexico, and we thought it would be good on the off week just to give you some bonus content. So we're going to put that episode back out, not in its entirety, but a clip of it. It tells about the how and why we do our Just the Two of Us trips. And James, just to note, that place that we recorded that episode yeah. is definitely, just a hint, hint, my favorite all-inclusive resort, in case you want to me back there anytime. Got it. Okay, another cool thing, we just spent the last few days with good friends of ours, Julie and Greg Gorman, who are the founders of Married for a Purpose. We are so excited, pumped, and equipped. Yes. I cannot wait to talk more about this. It was an inspiring time getting certified in their marriage reboot process. Yeah, we are super excited to roll more information to you over the next several episodes about this opportunity and how you can take advantage of that for yourselves or maybe pass it on to others who are looking to strengthen their marriage life. We also wanted to give a quick shout out to some of our new friends, Lisa and Brad at Unrelenting Pursuit. Hey, I just want to say their marriage story is powerful, beautiful, and a very cool, redemptive work. Yeah, we are kind of blown away just hearing their story and how God has healed their relationship. So you want to check out their podcast and uh, follow them at Unrelenting Pursuit underscore. We also got to meet Chris and Jamie from Expedition Marriage. And what a fun couple. They have a great podcast that airs every week and their content is so hope-filled for all marriages. So great new friends that we're looking forward to building this relationship with, but you ought to go check out their stuff. Love it. It's a great idea. Over the past few months, we've been walking walking alongside of two couples who just tied the knot. That's right. We always enjoy processing married life with engaged couples, giving them tools. We have some great tools around that mile marker at the very beginning of the marriage journey, but much of our marriage story has been walked out and worked out over the last 29 years. Looking back, our premarital counseling was one session, <laughs> totally 
about one hour. And at the end of that one hour, we were given thumbs up. You're good to go. We were clueless, no to doubt. say the least. We really had no idea what we were doing. I like to say it. We had zero to none That's tools bad. to navigate life and relationship together. That would basically mean we had nothing in our tool belt. Yeah, I don't know if zero to none is actually proper English, but it I'll was, give it to you. <laughs> yeah. We really quickly learned over time that there are three areas that consistently cause difficulty in the marriage relationship. We like to refer to them as the big three C's. They're communication, conflict, and crisis. And you can find these showing up through all kinds of different issues and throughout different seasons of marriage. I feel like these three areas can be independent or sometimes they stack on top of each other, creating a layered, complex situation. Gaining some tools around them independently, basically breaking them down, is helpful for the everyday before they compound and converge. It's really important to stay in a posture of intentional growth knowing that they build upon one another. Basic communication over the small everyday life things aid when a conflict comes about. Or better yet, it can actually prevent a conflict. Both foundational as we navigate crisis in our lives. James, I remember a situation that didn't seem so important yet was a very important piece of communication we had in our first week of marriage that truly laid foundation for future conflicts. It was all around the toilet. Is everyone listening interested in what that is? That's right. The classic toilet lid conversation. Who's responsible to lift the lid or put it down? This is real talk. The answer, you'll have to listen to find out. Well, what a cliffhanger. Had us us on the edge of our toilet seat. (laughs) That was pretty good. I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, what we want to do over the next three episodes is unpack each one of the big three C's and give some tools that we've used to find success with each one. So we'll start with communication. And just for you, Lisa, I thought a little throwback to the Biebs would be in order. do you mean? Now, that was a little bit of a stab in the heart. Don't use beebs against me there. (laughs) I know that I sometimes send mixed messages, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. But back on the topic of communication, communication can be challenging, but it's so vital to a healthy marriage. Research says only 4% of communication is using words. I can't speak for all females, but I'm especially gifted in this area and have to be very careful of what yes, I'm... Yes, you do. Okay, I receive it. <laughs> I was trying to explain this to our youngest daughter because she was communicating so much without using words. The spirit of yuck had settled on our house. What's yuck look like? I'm going to tell you all about it. It's not pretty. You can feel the tension in the house. You Mm. can feel that there's something brewing that you're like, I'm afraid to say something right now, but there's no words being said. You got it, James? That sounds like yuck. Yeah, that's yuck. I told her I could demonstrate this skill. She was curious how I was going to model this. So I knew Parker, our one and only son, was going to be coming in the door within minutes. So I let Addie know I can have Parker ask me within five minutes of him entering the room if I was okay without me saying one word, not one word. It was a great lesson for her about how body language 
and nonverbal communication speaks so loudly. I have to tell you, within three minutes, he was asking me, was I okay? And if something bad had happened today? Body language and tone are really important to keep in mind in communication. Another thing to keep in mind is that we can sometimes assume that we know what the other person is saying when we really don't. You assume you're clear, but if it's not being received in the way you intended, you're not really communicating clearly. I don't know how many times in our relationship you've told me something or asked me to do something, and I may not have heard correctly or completely, and I will instinctively fill the gap with what I think you meant or what I think you said, and it'd be completely wrong. That actually happens often, but right. I still love you. Okay, I'm going to affirm that. it, but it does happen often. Most of the time, I can tell by the look in your eyes if you're actually understanding But what is hysterical is, is when you answer with something absolutely unrelated to what I was talking about, but you do it with such confidence, like, I know I'm going to get it right, right. but then you're completely wrong. Right. And then sometimes you still defend. I know, but... It's okay. I'm sure that you were communicating clearly, so... Thank you for that. Yeah. So Beth McCord shares a story about a friend's daughter and her fiance in her and her husband, Jeff's book, Becoming Us, using the Enneagram to create a thriving gospel center marriage. And she talks about how these two were deep in on planning their upcoming wedding and they were tired and stressed out. And while they were running errands and making final decisions about the major details around the ceremony and the reception, the bride-to-be looked over her soon-to-be husband and said, there's one thing that is really important to me. I'd like to get a nice wedding band. And her fiance said, why? That sounds crazy. And she replied, well, there are a lot of things that I don't care about, but I think having a nice wedding band is important. So her fiance looked over her and said, don't you think you're being a little ridiculous? Well, I've always wanted a nice wedding band, she said. The fiance came back and said, I just don't get it. I think it's nuts. Well, at this point, she starts tearing up. and She said, I'm just trying to tell you that this is really important to me. Then she said, if it's a matter of money, I can contribute. And he said, that's even more crazy. They were both really tense and quiet. And then finally, she broke the silence and said, it's something I'm going to have the rest of my life. And I just thought it would be good to have a nice one. The rest of your life, he said, it's just one night. And I think it's a waste to spend that kind of money on a wedding band that's just for one night. Poor girl. I'm feeling for her. I know. Wait, one night? No, <laughs> no, no. That's, she, she, was, she started to understand what was going on. She said, I'm talking about a wedding band to go with my engagement ring, not a wedding band to play for the reception. And I think that happens quite a bit. We try to connect dots and they're not correct, right? Totally a common problem in relationship communication. Beth McCord calls it a suicide. I am the queen of connecting dots that were never meant to be connected, draining energy and moving in an unintended direction altogether. So I think it'd be important for us to talk about some practical ways to improve communication. Yeah, we have found an equipping tool called the five gears. The idea is that throughout our days, we operate in one of five gears and at times have to put things in reverse. I remember when my brother taught me how to drive a stick shift. It was rough to say the least. Learning how and when to shift gears was awkward and embarrassing. The sound of the gears grinding as I would try to go from one gear to the next was painful to hear in the car If you're outside of the car, it's even worse. It's even worse. It looks so simple when my brother was doing it, but it wasn't easy in execution. 
Yeah, it can be quite painful when a married couple is not connecting in the same gear. And there can be a lot of sputtering and jerkiness caused by friction and communication. So the five gears tool is a great way for couples to understand the dynamics of what is really happening in their partner's life at a particular moment and to give language to smoothly shift up or down to meet each other in the same gear, especially when they're trying to connect or communicate something that's really important. So what I think I'll do is I'll walk through these quickly and then we can talk a bit about how these work in our marriage, but at least feel free to jump in any time to add your insights. I will certainly do that, James. Awesome. So I'll start with fifth gear. Fifth gear is kind of the hyper-focus gear. This is when a person is maybe really head down, deep work, concentration, focusing on a big project or trying to get something done that's very detailed. I know that personally for me, when I'm in this gear, I can be oblivious to everything going on around me. I can even sometimes go for hours without eating. It's really kind of siloed in on the individual and you don't really know what's going on around you. Then you go to fourth gear and that's the multitasking gear. That's where maybe you're doing a lot of things at the same time, answering the phone, doing some emails, cleaning out your desk, whatever that is, or some things around the house that would be really just task oriented, right? I can totally identify with this. I can actually be cleaning house, washing clothes, fixing dinner, all the while on the phone with my mom and just crushing a lot of things at one time. I would, is that actually what you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. Because when somebody's in that mode, you can get a lot of stuff done, but it's probably not the best place to have deep conversations. No, I'm just chit-chatting on the phone. I'm not not doing any ministry on the phone. (laughs) Right, right. So then we go down to third gear, and that's really the social... Gear. I love the skier. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> so this is where it's really about connecting and maybe a, a group of people are just chit-chatting. You've heard about water cooler talk or around the, the copy machine at work or whatever. But in, in this gear, it may be just having fun together, talking, laughing. There's nothing really deep, but it is very social. Yeah, it's the gear I look for all day long. That's right. Yes, I want to get out of five and four just to be social. I got to get the head down, Lisa. That's right. That's right. So then we go to second gear, and this gets a little bit deeper. This is the connect mode, or in a marriage relationship, it would be that place of intimacy. It's one-on-one. It's really going deeper with a friend or maybe going on a date night, and it's just two people really connecting, having more meaningful conversation. You know what that is? Is this, I would say, this is our morning time when we're getting minutes. That's when right. I say, James. James, I want my minutes. That's right. That's right. That's, That's what, our connect, connect mode, time. right? Yeah. And then first gear is the recharge mode. Everybody has a different way that they recharge, but they re-energize. But gear one is is really a lot of times, especially for introverts, it's going to be very siloed by themselves. Maybe for an extrovert, it's going to be feel a little bit more like a, a gear two that's connecting with a friend. But all of us have a different way that we recharge, and it's good to know how your spouse recharges so you give them opportunity to re-energize. Right. Sometimes when I enter in in a mode of very social in your head, down, then that's when the gears start grinding or we end up bumping into each other, right? That's right. Right. So the goal really, as you say, is just to know when to shift up or down in gears to connect in the same gear for effective communication. So each person will have a gear or two that are more natural than others. So my natural gears are gear four and gear five. And Lisa, your natural gears are gear two and gear three. Do you know why I know that I'm not naturally in gear five? It just dawned on me as you were talking. What is that? 
is you said in gear five, you could go without eating. You don't even think <laughs> about it. I Just so you know, that's not a part of my life ever. <laughs> Never. Well, it uh, isn't. It's not very often for me, but when I'm in that mode, <laughs> I can be focused on something. You've seen me. I know. It's true. And so we have these natural gears we operate in. The goal is to know what gear each other's in and then know how to shift up or shift down in gears so that we can be in the same gear. One of the things I found that's really helpful is using physical triggers to cue me to shift up or shift down as needed. So in the morning, when I'm maybe in gear five, focused on my reading or focused on self-development, and I hear you get up a little bit later than me, which is... Thank you. That was gracious. Yes. I hear you get up and I know that I need to shift down into gear three, gear two mode. And so what I'll do is I'll put down my book I'll stand up as a trigger and I'll go make coffee for both of us. That's a trigger for me to shift into a gear where you're going to be because you're you're not really in that place of, you know, wanting to do work. You're just wanting to kind of have our minutes as we talked about the connect, right? And so that's really important. Another trigger that I've used in the past is a landmark on my way home from work. If I've been in gear five or gear four and really multitasking or focused, then I will pick a a mark on my way home and I'll begin to mentally shift down to gear three so that when I come in the door, I'm able to connect with you at that point instead of still trying to be working and thinking through process stuff. Right. Which is one of the things that I do. I try not to call you on your way home and talk to you as you're driving home because I know that that is a transitional time where you're trying to shift gears. Hmm. So that's a time that you, unless it's functional about, hey, can you stop and get something? But I'm not calling you to debrief the day while you're on your drive home just to honor your gear shifting time. That's right. That's right. I think it's important to maybe have a conversation with your spouse about like, what are your natural gears? I know that even during COVID, this became really evident that gear five is really a strong gear for me. You were witnessing me working up close and personal that you really hadn't seen before. And I get into this mode that I'm just blinders on both sides and don't know who's around. And You can't hear, you can't see anything but what's right in front of you. Yeah. And so we really had to process through understanding how that played out in our relationship. Looking back in our marriage life, you know, over the last 29 years, we didn't know it at the time, but at various seasons in our married life, we'd have these communication issues because we were not communicating in the same gear. So there's one more gear you didn't mention. It's the last gear and it's reverse or the responsive mode. This is the gear to apologize or to reboot. If you've ever driven a stick shift, you know that finding reverse is one of the hardest gears to find. This is true in marriage. James, you and I have both grown in this area in different ways. Often I will say, I have no excuses, just apologies. Developing this skill is a foundational technique in the art of spousing. I can, at times, become easily overwhelmed, then talking to you inappropriate. So actually, probably as we were talking, I realized as I'm overwhelmed, I'm really in gear five. And you're trying to help lighten the load, but then my response to you gets to be very short and condescending. And sometimes, I hate to admit it, but I think it'll be helpful for all to hear, is that I can talk to you like you're a child. And so I did that recently, and I said, I have no excuses. My being overwhelmed, my being in fifth gear has nothing to do with how I just talked to you. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? And so that was me throwing it in reverse and backing out. To that, I actually also rebooted and said, I have a plan of how I'm not going to do that again. But 
learning reverse is so very important. So to be honest, you know, admitting when I'm wrong is really difficult for me. Many times my tone can be direct and sarcastic. So I have to at times uh, humble myself and admit that I blew it and that I was not sensitive to your feelings. You know, if you want to find out more about the five gears, there's actually a book called the five gears by Steve Cockrum and Jeremy Kubitschek. And it's a great primer on how you can use this tool in your married life and also in your relationship with your kids or at work, understanding how to get in the right gear, connecting with people. It just hit me that there are times that when you understand this and we understand this, we can actually even communicate to one another, hey, I need you to come down to gear three. You're in gear four right now. I need some attention here or that you can hold up a couple fingers and say, Hey, gear two. And so you can begin to use this tool to communicate your needs to one another and communicate effectively, not assuming committing a suicide when you're actually in two different spaces, head spaces or energy spaces at the time. Right. I love that, that you can communicate where you are and what you need to get to. But also I like to look and see and have awareness about where you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be looking at, okay, I can see he's in four or five and I'm going to wait until I see you shift and, and get in there. So I think it's it, one communication, but two, it's just taking note where someone is. That's good. You know, sometimes our marriage communication or lack of communication can impact other relationships around us, extended family or kids. I have a tip for that. Okay. I like to call it closing the loop. Okay. Many of our relationships cross over into friendships or family members, in-laws, in-loves, um, what I like to call my mother-in-love instead of my mother-in-law. She's a great... Great girl, but they can impact those and at different levels. James, you would share a scenario of frustration or misunderstanding or sometimes shortcoming of others, maybe at work or again with family members. And then you would go back and you would fix things and have a restorative conversation with them, but you would never communicate those details to me. This lack of communication would cause tension in my relationship with that other person. And then ultimately caused tension between you and I. I was not brought in on the journey. And so I wasn't a part of the conversation that happened at work or part of the conversation that happened on the phone with your parent or your loved one, you know, but I was still left yeah. in the tension of where it was and not brought along that the loop had been closed. So I think it's important that we come back and say, Hey, I wanted to let you know, I had an amazing conversation with Susie Bob. Susie Bob's a girl I talk about who doesn't exist. <laughs> we'll probably hear a lot about Susie Bob. Susie Bob. Susie Bob is up to a lot of things, but sometimes I need to. I need to go. James had a conversation with Susie Bob. It was so impactful. We made amends. I just wanted to let you know that things are good, so that we actually know where we stand in other in relationship to other people. Yeah, because it's really not helpful to have unneeded frustration in your marriage and in your communication. And so if, if you've moved on, but your spouse is still frustrated because they don't know, it's going to come up and it's going to cause tension and frustration anytime that person or that situation comes into to the communication relationship because one person's dealt with it, the other person hasn't had the opportunity to deal with it. So that's a great tip just to always close the loop. So I think that's it for this episode. Hopefully you can take a few nuggets from what we shared and start practicing it this week. Maybe it's beginning to have the conversations about what your natural gears are and even just begin practicing. Hey, let's connect in gear two, maybe go on a date and let's get eye to eye face to face and let's have a conversation. 
Maybe it's just giving allowance. If one spouse naturally operates in four or five, that you give them time to downshift, you know, giving each other the right space that uh, each other needs to recharge the way they need to recharge. For me, that's being by myself on my bike. For you, that's having a conversation with friends because you're more extroverted. So whatever that is, if you understand it, then you can begin to give allowance for that and get in the right space. Maybe that's a nugget you need to take this week. And I love that that tip you just gave. Maybe there's some situations or relationships that you need to go back and make sure your spouse knows that you've taken care of so it, it closes the loop for them. I love it. Friends, thank you for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Art of Spousing. With the launch of the podcast, we would really appreciate if you would help us get the word out. Please let your friends know about the show and sharing it with them. And we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. On the next episode, we will continue unpacking the big three C's by looking at some skills and dealing with conflict. It's going to be really good. You won't want to miss that. And remember that next week we will release a bonus episode where we share our whys and hows of doing a Just the Two of Us trip. So have a great week, and we will see you next time on the Art of Spousing podcast. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.